Hello, it's the Campaign Podcast. I'm your host today, Omar Oaks. Today, we're locked down, but not locked out. The campaign team is not going anywhere as we reflect on another unprecedented series of events as the UK goes into lockdown. We will also take a look at what this means for the experiences sector and events marketing. All this and more in the world of advertising and media marketing on this week's campaign podcast. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. That is the musical stylings of Wonder Woman star Gal Gadot and her celebrity chums and their rendition of John Lennon's seminal soft rock tune, Imagine. Uh, I'm joined this week by Campaign's contributing editor, Jeremy Lee again. Hi, Jeremy. Did that inspire you and make you want to sing along? Hi, Omar. Thank God it stopped. It was horrendous, wasn't it? I mean, it's just one of those things where celebrities just shut the Buck up, to be honest with you. I don't know what you thought of it. Uh, I'll, I'll leave my judgment to the end. So before we get to that, uh, we also have Yasmin Arago, campaign's digital director. Uh, Yasmin, you love a good sing-along. Did uh, did Wonder Woman do it for you then? I don't think I'm going to choose that song to sing, uh, no. And I strongly suggest we don't do that as a campaign cover. <laughs> what will we do as a campaign cover that's a that's a good one to think about um and also a warm welcome to Fiola douglas campaign senior reporter covering experiences hello hi i i also i'm the least cynical of the group i think and i really just didn't like it i I definitely won't be listening to it again you don't kind of like the idea of celebrities getting together or you just didn't like the singing I didn't like the singing. Celebrities getting together is fine, but if I was living in a million pound mansion in Hollywood Hills, I probably would be quite happy staying at home. <laughs> quite, quite. Uh, and you joined the team relatively recently. Um, you were previously at the Evening Standard and you joined Campaign last year, focusing on experiences. How have you found covering this area of marketing in such unusual and dramatic times? Right at this moment, it's a real kind of pivotal time for the experiential sector. And so I think this is something that none of us have seen before. So we're all kind of going through those motions together. But I'm just trying to reach out to as many people in the industry and just find out how they're coping, really. Mm. Um, we'll get into that in um, a following section. But Yasmin, um, you actually um, you were the editor of Events Magazine, um, our previous sister title in a, in a previous life. Um, have you ever seen anything like it? Um, I don't think we have seen anything like this on a global scale. I mean, this is the part of the year where usually there's a lot of exciting stories coming um, with the festival um, sector and festival activations. So it's a really vibrant time traditionally for the industry um, to kind of see these big global festivals being cancelled uh, across the world. Um, it is unprecedented. Indeed. OK, we'll get into that in just a second. But lots happening this week. And just to update you the latest you can go onto our website, campaignlive.co.uk. We've got a live blog running every day. As listeners probably know, the government last night, we're recording on Tuesday afternoon, last night the government clamped down on social distancing, imposing home isolation on the UK population. Don't go out unless absolutely necessary. That means shops selling non-essential items and are told they must close as of low libraries, playgrounds, outdoor gyms and places of worships. 
now it seems that day by day um, things are happening so quickly. There are still pitches happening. Um, we're still doing pitch update, a regular feature on our site where we write about new business on the move. I wrote a story this morning about um, Volkswagen Group, which are they're reviewing their digital account, which has been held by Tribal, part of Omnicom's DDB for the last 20 years. Um, in spite of all the disruption, Jeremy, what has been the biggest news that's affected the industry that you've seen, particularly in the last two days? I don't know if it was in the last two days, but what struck me was um, there was a news story, I think we wrote towards the end of last week, about um, HSBC. And HSBC was a JWT client for, I don't know, probably about the same length as VW at Tribal, about 20 odd years. And they moved out, well, they spent the account three ways, must have been about six, seven years ago, went to... Sarch has picked up a, a slug, so did Gray, and uh, JWT kept a little bit. And what's happened now is that um, JWT, in a great triumph for the Wonderman Thompson, they've regained the whole account. And it's a massive piece of business. Uh, and I think it's probably credit to Joe Pettian, who ran the account, uh, uh, JWT, and now Wonderman Thompson, that he's managed to get the big bit of business back. So that's that's a big story, and it'll have a big impact for both Sarch's and for, and for Wonderman Thompson, and I think. Is arguably a shot in the arm and a vote of confidence for its um for its creative reputation. We talked about it on the podcast the other week that Wonderman Thompson was more of a CRM fronted agency. This isn't a CRM piece of business. This is a proper creative piece of business. So um, I think that 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 will please them and please Mark Reed. Absolutely. Um, Wonderman Thompson, obviously a huge agency which does a lot of things nowadays. Um, this particular move, though, is that a do you call it a consolidation on HSBC's part, or is it more of a, uh, a sign of confidence in Wonderman Thompson under the, the new regime, as it were? It looks like it being a bit of both, to be honest with you. It was, it was always strange when they split it three ways, um, but now bringing it all back under one roof, uh, say it's, it looks like a vote of confidence in, in the management team at Wonderman Thompson and what they're doing. Mm. And Yasmin, um, as our digital director, um, you're um, in charge of everything that we do online, I suppose, from a strategic direction, as well as day to day. What are you seeing in terms of, obviously, there's a lot of demand for the stories that we're doing about coronavirus updates. Um, anything in particular surprised you this this interesting time? Um, I think the thing is, um, we're all in this industry to look at brilliant creative work and what people really want to see. Of course, they want to keep up to date with all of the news that's coming through um, on how coronavirus is affecting various parts of the industry. Um, we also still want to see really brilliant creative work that's going out. There's such an appetite for that throughout the times. And I think people don't really want to come to a site um, that is a constant reminder of um how damaging this is globally. Um, they also want to see some of the brilliant work that brands are managing to do despite all of this happening. Yeah, that's a good point. And we obviously are still covering the creative work um, that that is still happening. Um, how, Fayola, uh, given your experience at the Evening Standard, I, I don't know if you still talk to the people over there, but obviously very tough with putting out a free newspaper and um, obviously people aren't commuting right now. Um, how uh, how tricky has it been covering you know the experiences sector when there's obviously so much doom and gloom to write about, but I'm obviously trying to find positive stories within that as well. Well, I was working for London Live, which is owned by Evening Standard, and I know that my colleagues there were still 
going into work, it will be increasingly difficult for anybody to get to that location now with the circle line going down. And for me, in terms of covering the experiences sector, it's quite difficult for that sector because everything is live. It's all about getting those consumers to see things in a face-to-face environment. So we're seeing um, more pivot projects talk about how things are going to be done in a different way, how things can have more digital elements in them. Is um, There's going to be a move to virtual experiences in the future as well. And so these things are all being put in place now. So we should start to see things emerging in the next few weeks, hopefully. Indeed. Um, I mean, it's just fascinating to see how it's affecting traditional media in different ways. Story from ITV yesterday, it's reducing its program budget by £100 million, as it anticipates, obviously, a weaker advertising market. Um, Twitter overnight, I'm recording this on Tuesday, Twitter, um, they put out an announcement saying their ad revenue is going to be hit, even though they're seeing, you know, a 23% increase year on year on people using the platform. Um ad spend is being paused or cancelled in some instances. I mean, it's effect, even digital media is not immune to this. Um, do you, there was an interesting story from Publicist Group also saying that they're doing, um, there's going to be a hiring freeze. Um, they're going to try to cut costs as much as possible. Um, Jeremy, do you get the sense that everyone's just in wait and see mode or is there something more strategically happening with the way that different companies are adjusting to this well you'd hope it's the latter but i suspect it's probably the the, the former i mean like the, it is horrible and we don't want to keep perpetuating the sort of the misery that everyone's enduring so i think any positive out of it is that businesses are trying to future proof themselves um and you know for, for when we do emerge from this and uh, we'll we'll have jobs to go to, or most of us will have jobs to go to, hopefully. So I think we need to try and you know be measured about our reaction to the fact that people, this is going to happen, isn't it? Let's face it. Mm. And, and Jeremy, um, as someone who oversees the features that we put on campaign, have there any been particular, particularly good opinion pieces or features that we've done in the last week that caught your eye? There was some, we've done some quite nice stuff on um, behavioural economics and how that can be used to. Uh, inform or educate people about how to behave uh during this uh process which i thought was quite good um though you mentioned twitter we've also run a piece about how they need to you know make make themselves in a better shape uh, and this could be the opportunity for them to do so i mean it sounds crass to call it an opportunity it's a challenge but it is an opportunity isn't it? let's face it we have to, have to look at it that way um, Twitter, well, very interesting times for Twitter as it looks increasingly likely that Jack Dorsey, the founder slash CEO, is on his way out after what I, could, I guess you could describe as a as a coup in the boardroom by Silver Lake um, partners. Um, so, you know, Twitter, I imagine, could end up being a very different company this time next year with new leadership and maybe finally some more product innovate, innovation. You know, it's essentially the same business as it's been for the last 10 years um, and doesn't make as much money as you might think, given how popular it is with people like us. Although you're not on Twitter, are you, Jeremy? No, I think it's an awful sewer of misinformation and lies, <laughs> to be honest with you. So I, I was on it for a while, but I just I just found it's the negativity on there was just so depressing. And the thought of even going on there today was just like, nah, I'm, I'm not interested in in uh, the opinions of idiots and there's too many idiots out there oh yeah well maybe you're following the wrong people i don't know but <laughs> um, 
Faye, Faye is our resident younger person. Um, is what's your social media of choice? I am on Twitter. I've joined the masses in actually joining TikTok last week because ah. yeah, we're all just so bored, especially on the weekend. <laughs> That's like what better to do than kind of make content, I guess. People are just making lots of funny videos. A lot of those TikTok videos are actually being shared on Twitter. I am on Twitter as well. And so I thought rather than see them kind of secondhand on Twitter, I'd just go straight to the source. And I'm I quite like to curate my feed. So even on Instagram, I make sure I follow my friends and other and influencers that I'm actually interested in seeing what they're doing. And I follow lots of um, home decorating accounts. I follow some people that take wildlife photos. You can you can really curate your feed. And the same is true for Twitter as well. If you make sure you're following proper news sources as opposed to people who like to rant and rave like I've blocked Katie Hopkins I can't see anybody that reposts her her tweets I can't see her tweets so it just deletes her from my Twitter universe really there are a lot of conspiracy theories on there that's that's the thing that gets to me and uh, that's very healthy I think it's really interesting what you were saying earlier Faye about um you know you're, you're spending more time being creative and I think that's an opportunity as well that we you know we're we're stuck home let's let's try and do interesting cool stuff that you couldn't do otherwise i think that's a fantastic idea and i'm i i'm i've been thinking about this over the last few days about how i can do that as well i mean we talked last week about reading more for, for example jeremy um but i really want to to do more beyond my my day job yeah yasmin are you are you being more creative would you say or how things change for you working from home every day um, things have definitely changed this week as it's day two of homeschooling, which I'm sure a lot of uh, people in Adlan will also be experiencing that. Um, but that has been a nice opportunity to get those colouring pencils out and do a bit of sketching. So um, I'm definitely like Fayola. I've also curated all of my social media feeds um, to make sure at this point in time, um, my visual diet is really good. Lots of cat pictures, lots of calming things to see. Yeah, and yes, can I say you also curated that the piece uh, yesterday with the homeschooling, which is about uh, ads from the eighties, which was uh, which I thought was brilliant and something that we probably have never run um, in any other instance. And it was also educational for your children as well, I, I'm sure. So a plug for that quickly. We are definitely looking for teachers over the next few weeks. So if anyone does want to um, choose a topic of the week for campaigns homeschool, do get in touch. What a great idea. Fantastic. That's all the time we have for this section. When we come back, we're going to focus on experiences and events. So the coronavirus crisis is obviously having a huge unprecedented impact on the experiences live events sector within marketing. Um, Fayola, before we begin talking about what's happening, um, what's the latest on when some of the big events will come back or maybe not even come back? Um, I'm thinking about Glastonbury, uh, the Eurovision Song Contest, the Olympics we've just heard is being postponed. Yes. So some of these very big events that really have a global impact are not going to be coming back until 2021. So with Glastonbury, this is now going to be an off year for them. And so people will be able to 
go and enjoy that festival next year, which for a lot of people, that could be their pinnacle of their summer. They've spent a lot of time trying to secure tickets, obviously going with a big group of friends. So a lot of sad faces last week, especially on Twitter, lots of people talking about that. But I think one of the biggest things to notice is Glastonbury isn't actually happening until June, but they've got a lot of work that goes into getting it together. So it's about keeping everybody safe in the run up to the event, all the hundreds of workers that they would actually need in the field to be putting together this mini city. And so that's why that's had to be postponed. But some of the other smaller London festivals that have due, were due to take place in early summer, so around May, they've now been shifted to the end of summer, so to September. But we're kind of just waiting to see what happens, really. We've got these first three weeks that we all know we're meant to really stay inside. And hopefully that does the job, because if not, some of the other events that we know should be coming in June, like Lovebox and stuff like that, they're also going to have to cancel. And I guess the hope is, is that, that it won't come to that. What's your sense, um, looking miles into the future for 2021, I don't know how long some of these events take to organise, but presumably um, the longer it goes on, and I'm thinking, you know, if we're we're still sitting at home recording podcasts in August, is there going to be a question over whether some events in 2021 are going to be affected as well? I think that the longer that this goes on, maybe the more it will have an impact on how much people want to plan what they're doing in the future. And I'm thinking about this from a consumer perspective. So if people are initially now thinking that this might just be happening for a couple of months, if it isn't resolved by then and people are still feeling uncertain about going out, then they might not want to be buying tickets for something so far in the future. Um, Yasmin, on the other hand, will we be so kind of desperate to get out and do things that maybe we could see? I mean, events marketing was already growing. Quite, we had pretty strong numbers for growth in the last few years. Correct me if I'm wrong. But do you think it's going to bounce back in an even bigger way? Absolutely. I mean, I think the bottom line is um, people really crave these shared experiences. Um, and so I think whilst we might see over the next few months, some of the live events that were due to take place um, attempt to hold virtual events instead. Um, The bottom line is people crave those shared moments and and spending those times together with their friends. So if you look at the boom in things like um, Secret Cinema and and Punch Drunk um, and all of those kind of immersive worlds where you can take a step inside, those are very much things that you want to experience en masse. Um, They can't really be replicated in other formats. Um, And so I think we could well see that whilst for the moment, it actually, it isn't possible for those experiences to go ahead. um, When we are finally uh, let out again and social distancing is a term of the past, um, we will really crave those more than ever. Can you imagine what that's going to be that day? It's going to be like it's going to be like VE day, isn't it? People are just going crazy and brilliant. I can't wait. We're all going to run out of our houses and start hugging each other in the streets and go to the pub. I'm looking forward to it. Amazing! I can't wait. Excited. For the time being, Yasmin. I mean, how much has or can online work to 
um, mitigate or even replace any of these live I events? I think um, we're starting to see a few interesting examples. So um, things that were planned, we'll, we'll see them more over the next few weeks. Things that were maybe planned where for nearly a month, um, brands and agencies have been discussing how they actually move forward with that work. Um we'll see those take a different format. And yes, they will be interesting because ultimately people have got a lot more time on their hands to be um, looking online, looking on social media. And so they'll be looking for those moments. But in terms of actually replacing what it could have been live, um, there's no real substitution if you're a big fan of a drinks brand and they're doing something very innovative, like last year's um, experience of the year, something that Hendrix did um, with their laundrette. That's not something that can be taken online where fans can go have a drink together and really enjoy themselves. It's not going to be the same through a Zoom camera or something like that. Mm, because I suppose part of you know it's part of, part of the fun of it is you're reacting with other people. It's not just somebody putting on a show. Exactly. You know, there's that two way interaction. Um, there's um, actually being part of that world that's been created, kind of the theatre of it all. Um, and I think trying to pull that off on a screen um, is is really hard. Yeah. Um, one event which is close to all of our hearts is the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. Um, news this week that is officially moving from its regular date in the third week of June to the 26th to the 30th of October. Um, that's going to be weird, isn't it? Um, Jeremy, you've been to Cannes a few times. Um, how do you think it's going to be different this year, Cannes, almost during Halloween? Well, as you say, it's, um, there's going to be so much going on in October. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to go, but it'll be going to festivals or conferences. So um, it's going to be quite a packed month. I think Cannes has been evolving over probably the last three years anyway. Um, it's a, probably an opportunity for it to reset. I think there was the problem, was it three years ago when all the tech companies sort of took over and it became, you know, it looked like it was had become openly greedy. I mean, it's always been an expensive event and a great money spinner for its owner, but I think that sort of, the industry reacted to that, certainly in the creative industry. So they've been toning down and it's become a little less ostentatious and expensive in recent years. I think on the back of this event it will probably be turned down even further and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad idea I think we all like to go there and have some fun and it's an opportunity to relax and hang around with interesting fun creative people but I think it was beginning to look a little bit of a relic I don't know what you think I, th I think it's going to be interesting we were saying before about um you know this bounce back effect of everyone wanting to do things after um you know post coronavirus times but i'm i'm i i'm i'm in two minds number one to your point is it going to be a more austere conference very mindful or is it going to be hey we're back and we're going to be back with a bang and show that the advertising industry hasn't gone anywhere you know i really don't know um yeah, Yasmin, do you kind of you, you've gone to Cannes? Um, do you do you have a sense of how it could be this year? Um, I'm hoping that somehow the brands that uh, create so much excitement along the Quasette, and I'm thinking here of um, Snapchat's Gallery, Pinterest Beach, uh, Spotify. Um, I'm hoping they see this as an opportunity to do something really different. Um, you know, it is not going to be the same experience. It will be getting darker a lot quicker. They won't have 
all of those beach places. So they're going to have to look for other venues. I mean, uh, Snapchat has been indoors, um, but Spotify and Pinterest have definitely relied on those crowds along the Quasette and the fact that it's summertime. Um, so I think, you know, this will be the different one. This will be can at Halloween. So, so let's see what happens. Yeah, well, you mentioned Snapchat. I was actually supposed to be in Los Angeles this week um, covering the, I think it was this week, covering the Snapchat Creators Creative Partner Conference. Um, obviously, no, that's not anywhere. happening. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, lots of plans have been disrupted. Um, Fairla, how there are obviously um, experiential agencies um, who... Um, specialize in putting on these events um, talk to me about how they in particular obviously they're being hit by work not happening how are they adapting and who are who are the agencies that you talk to well I think at the moment one of the main things that they're talking to the brands that they work with about is about postponing rather than cancelling because like you said there will come a time when everyone can get out again people are going to really be looking for these experiences to do these things that really excite them that they weren't able to do for how many weeks or months this might be going on for so that's the real move at the moment in terms of the agencies we we've been speaking to I guess Amplify and XYZ and TRO I've recently been speaking to and they're just looking for ways that they can successfully work as companies at the moment as well. So all the work from home directives, that's something they haven't usually had to do because of the experiential sector. It is so collaborative. It is a lot about being in front of the consumer also. And so they're getting used to those different techniques to be able to collaborate and work on these projects from their remote locations. And Yasmin, how do you see that these agencies have been adapting? So the experiential industry has been really badly hit by the fact that, um, you know, mass gatherings are out of the question and now all gatherings um, are out of the question. Um, we did a brief snap poll with just the top 15 agencies in the industry um, where they reported a collective figure of over 15 million um, being the loss of earnings in just those first few weeks. Um, and obviously that's a tiny snapshot because it's just those 15 agencies. If you think um, of all of the other agencies that deliver live experiences, it's of course a lot larger. Um, and um, there's also a really vibrant freelancer network um, that exists that now obviously um, are, are facing the brutal reality of the fact that it, it won't be business as normal um, for quite a few months. Mm. And in terms of um, adapting and um making the best out of a crisis. Um, Faye, talk to, talk to us about pivot projects. What are they? So a pivot project is some way in which a event that was due to take place is being changed or modified so that it can still go ahead. So obviously, initially, we saw that there shouldn't be people knew about large gatherings, they shouldn't really be taking place. And of course, we're trying to implement social distancing. Now, these now this has got more intense, so there can't be any gatherings of more than two people. So one of the first pivot projects that we saw was Defected Records. They usually host events, large events with almost 5,000 people. Now they hosted a virtual festival from 
Ministry of Sound, which was, of course, closed already due to the coronavirus. So the venue was closed, but they were able to programme 12 hours of music. So they had DJs who would come in one by one. They play for an hour. It was broadcast via YouTube and Twitter and thousands of people tuned in to watch it across the day. Interesting. Um, and Yasmin, finally, what do you th- I mean, there is going to be a day when we get back to normal, as it were. What do you think this sector could look like when that day comes? Um, I can't wait for the days uh, where we get back to normal. And for this sector, it's a highly creative sector. It's one that's really used to engaging people in the moment. And so um, I am certain that they are using this time to innovate, um, to bring forward any internal projects that they were working on um, and to really make sure that they are getting um, back out there with the best activations that we'll see in a long time. So um, really looking forward to that moment. Um, so finally, Yasmin, give me a sense of these agencies that put on these events. Are they are they populated by big agency networks? You know, but are they part owned by WPP, Policies Group, etc., or are they more independent in the sector? There's a real dominance of creative, independent agencies in this sector. I think if we look um, at kind of the agencies delivering some of the most creative award winning work, um, you see the likes of um, Amplify with um, Google Curiosity Rooms um, and then XYZ, who recently delivered the Lego House of Dots. Um, And those are some of the agencies that kind of really shape and dominate the sector. Interesting. Okay. And finally, Jeremy, what one event are you most looking forward to seeing going to again? Uh, when <laughs> when the game shooting season starts again. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. You're, you, you're, 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 of course, a, a regular shooter, uh, Jeremy. I thought you were going to say the darts. <laughs> and the darts. Yeah, you're right. Both of them. And the darts, I thought he was yeah. going to say the football, actually. <laughs> No, Jeremy's, well, he's partly into football, but uh, not as much as some of us. But um, bet you didn't expect to learn that, listener. Okay, (laughs) thank you, guys. When we return, we're going to look at some ads. And we're back. Just a bit of time to talk about some ads of the week. Faye, what is your pick for some a recent ad or marketing activity you think is interesting? Well, one that I thought was actually really good is by a freelance copywriter, Luke O'Reilly. And he got creative. This isn't an official ad for Guinness, but it just shows the type of creativity that is coming up from us all being away from each other and he's put together a Guinness ad which uses negative space so you've got a a three-seater sofa in cream the same color as the froth you'd see on a Guinness then you've got the Guinness logo and then at the bottom a stay at home really kind of making you see the shape of Guinness in a pint glass so I thought that was really fun and just shows what people can come up with. Interesting yet lots of um um, innovative solutions that people are coming up with um, to either tap into our psyche right now during coronavirus or just be quite useful. Um, Jeremy, have you seen um, this um, NHS work that St. Luke's has done? Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. I don't know if everyone's seen it, but it basically takes the NHS logo and reverses it. So it spells out SHN for stay home now, which I think is a, uh, a really, really important message. 
It is. And it just makes you wonder, where is the thinking from the government at this time? I mean, I know, you know, government bureaucracies are always criticised of being slow, but, you know, this is such a, it's such a good, simple, effective idea. And we just, I, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen any government messaging until today, in fact, about stay at home. There was one on telly last night. I think because of the situation being so fluid, I think they have to do it on a sort of day-by-day basis. But this one was very effective. It showed the chief's uh, medical officer just very calmly giving a statement about why everyone she needs to stay inside and I thought that was really effective given that as you say it's been pretty pretty silent or a bit piecemeal up until now and I think it coming from a, a, a medical officer rather than a politician made it resonate even further. And of course that's right because this isn't a political issue it's very much a public safety one um, but I completely agree with you um, work by um, Rich Jenny and Al Young at St Luke's um, it's brilliant stuff so simple so effective um, Yasmin what's your what, what is inspiring you? Um, I really loved uh, the Coca-Cola's uh, billboard in Times Square, New York. Um, it was very, very simple. So if you didn't see it, um, it was the iconic Times Square billboard. Um, but they took the Coca-Cola logo and they just added extra spaces um, between all the letters to replicate the social distancing um, and just had a simple line saying staying apart is the best way to stay united. Um, and I just thought it was it was very creative. Indeed. It's it's tough, isn't it, when big brands try to wade into this territory? I don't know if, if any of you saw McDonald's and the Arches. Was it last week? I think it was it came out of the US where they actually split the two arches to, you know, uh, to convey that we should all be social distancing. And they just got absolutely panned on social media. Um, it, it's, it can be quite difficult when you're seen to be wading in an area just for the sake of it. Um, but I think on this occasion, Coke has managed to stay that right side of the line. Um, also ads uh, that you can see on our website, campaignlive.co.uk, home base, um, one called Gary the Tortoise uh, by Atomic, where they've got a tortoise that seems to be flying across the garden. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, Oh, I love that. That's great. I think it's their first work as well. From the oh, is it? Yeah. Um, really fun. Um, we need some fun ads right now. And also, did you, any of you guys see Brewdog's Punk Sanitizer um, by Uncommon? I saw it. I'd like it to believe <laughs> that it's actually happening. I hope it is. Yeah, let's hope. Well, I'm afraid that's it for another episode. Thanks so much to my learned colleagues. Um, We'll be back next week and who knows what will have happened by then. But until that time, have a lovely week, listener, wherever you are. And me and the team are, of course, wishing you well. This episode was recorded and edited by Ben Londersborough and Martha Llewellyn at Campaign. And to keep up with the latest advertising industry news and opinion, go to campaignlive.co.uk. And remember, if you're listening to this for the first time, remember to subscribe. Bye-bye.